You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today, plausibly live, it's the Zabecast. We'll do it live. Fuck it. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Today's guest, sports radio lifer and DC, Jewish Sports Hall of Famer, Andy Polin. Uh-huh. <laughs> See? And now, let's get to yakking. Oh, here we go. And a spot. In the national championship game. It's on the way. No good. He hooked it. And Georgia is going to survive. At the stroke of midnight, the first few seconds of 2023, Ohio State falls one kick short. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is that why you are here? Oh, yeah, that's why we are here. You cannot get a better pair of college football games than what we were blessed with on the way out the door of 2022. Andy Poland is up early on a Sunday morning. Happy New Year, my friend. You're not a late-night guy, but how did you uh, survive the stroke of midnight? Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I, uh, I was up for that, but uh, I did do some dozing during the game, so I did miss some significant plays, but uh, <laughs> did see the hook there at the end, and uh, I, am, I am truly surprised uh, at both the semifinals. Uh, certainly the outcome of the TCU game, I didn't think that they would win, and I thought they might get blown out. And while I thought Georgia might win, I didn't expect a game like that. No way, no how. Yeah, I uh, I took my nap, my old man couch nap, in the third quarter to fourth quarter of the first game. Believe it or Ooh. not, mm. and mm. it was the it was the most surreal thing because it looked like TCU had finally put the dagger in, and so I said, "It's okay if I just lay down here." on the couch, <laughs> right? Like, and I kept the volume up on the TV and I period, I put like a 30 minute timer on my phone just to roust me awake, but I kept waking up to the sound of Sean McDonough's voice raising three octaves. And then my bleary eyes looking up to go, wait, 
what's the score now? And I couldn't believe my eyes. I fell asleep and woke up, I think, two or three times during the end of that game. And I said, holy shit. I didn't think in a million years the next game would be perhaps even better. They were like two NBA games. You know, you, you tune on an NBA game. It's like the end of the second quarter and one team's up like, you know, 20 points. Right. And then you go back to it, you know, with three minutes left in the game and it's a two-point game and they trade three-pointers and somebody wins. It was crazy. All right. So which one do you want to put on the operating table first to dissect? Well, I, I have some thoughts on uh, J.J. McCarthy. who. Okay. Uh, did some spectacular things, but I have uh, thoughts about him off the field. Okay, like. let's talk J.J. McCarthy, quarterback for Michigan. Uh, the Wolverines have now lost five straight bowl games under Jimmy Hardpaw, as I have mocked him before for that handshake uh, against who was the coach at the time? Uh, that, that was Detroit, right? Schwartz? Schwartz, yeah. May the Schwartz yeah. be with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The old, old Jimmy Harbaugh. As good as he is, and I'm not anti-Jim Harbaugh. I'm not. He's taken the program and revived it, okay? He's bad in-game. He does not know how to coach in-game. His own father stood up when time <laughs> was burning to the ground and he had timeouts to, to spare, and he, he said, what are you doing, Jim? You know, our, our mutual friend, uh, Kevin Sheehan, who is obsessed with time management, his head must have been exploding. Everybody's head was exploding. It was like you never get time back, especially in college, where a first down is a soft timeout. Incompletions right, right. are timeouts. Penalties are timeouts. Running out of bounds is timeouts. An incomplete pass is a timeout. There's a million things that could stop the clock. But once time is gone, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. so J.J. McCarthy, uh, quarterback, Michigan, go. He was on with Rich Eisen last week, and Rich Eisen is a Michigan alum, so I think he was prone to go a little soft on him. But they started talking about goals, and J.J. McCarthy, who I believe is a sophomore, has been a starter now for exactly one year, uh, began to talk about how he wanted to be the best ever, the best ever. And <laughs> what's wrong with Eisen, that for a goal? Eisen, who I don't think is the best interviewer in the world, properly said, well, you know, I've been inside that Michigan locker room and there's not one, but two pictures of a guy who has seven Super Bowl rings. And then McCarthy began to talk about how he was chasing Tom Brady. <laughs> and, 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 that, and, and then Eisen said, well, have you two ever hooked up? And then he said he had put out an Instagram post uh, about it or something. And then, and then Eisen said, did he respond? And he goes, uh, yeah, when we beat Ohio State. Meaning somebody who handles Brady's Instagram post way to go. was happy that his alma mater won. I mean, this kid saying he's chasing a guy who has seven Super Bowl rings is absolutely laughable. He's not even in the race. <laughs> Shut up. Win something. Don't don't talk like that when you're 19 years old. Shut up. <sighs> Andy, this is the generation that if we live long enough, we'll be running things in about 20 years. You know, Gen Z. Gen Z is known for delusional over self-importance and a laziness that knows no bounds. I mean, we're talking about a generation that's like, I don't want to even get up to go get food. Here, boop, 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 boop. a Grubhub. 
You know, DoorDash, yeah. bring me food, yeah. okay? So he was too lazy to actually do the legwork. He could have gone through channels to go, hey, I'm the quarterback in Michigan. How do I get a hold of Brady? And just, you know, quietly but persistently work his way through the PR department at Michigan to the people for Tom Brady, who I know would be busy during the season. He just got divorced. He may not want to talk to J.J. McCarthy, but he could have with a little bit of legwork. What did he do instead? Well, I put out an Instagram post. Yeah, is that is right. that good enough? Did that do the trick? No, that did not do the fucking trick, you dummy. But yeah, that uh, said, I've... that said, he can run like oh, yeah. crazy. No, he's he's got some skills, especially but, for a white uh, boy. When, when you write a check like that with your mouth, you better be able to cash it better than two pick sixes, and one of them was really awful. They I mean, those were really they bad. were bad. They yeah. were really bad. Let's talk. By the way, on, on on McCarthy, how about his girlfriend and his dad? Did you see the viral oh, yeah. clip of his dad doing something very creepy with his hand on her butt? Yeah, that did seem a little bit uh, over the top, did it not? Yeah, a lot of shots of them. By the way, I, I couldn't believe the cameras were in love with that group. They were yeah. just like the whole end of the game was on them. Okay, so here's an unpopular opinion from me. I love the crowd shots in college games. I love the family shots, Andy. I love the cheerleader shots. I love the co-ed shots. To me, it adds the right amount of flavor to the college game. A pro game, not nearly so much. But college is about the families and the atmosphere and the the, the sweet little co-eds with the fakey tattoos on their cheeks. You are enjoying the genius of Rune Arledge, who understood that that's how you popularize sports. And uh, he's the one that came up with up close and personal for the Olympic athletes. And yes, uh, did a lot in his uh, coverage of college football way back, you know, 60 years ago, 55 years ago, when he started doing that. And you're right. I mean, that does add color to it. There's no question. Sometimes I think they go a little bit overboard. Okay. Uh, Now let's talk about the final call of the targeting that was clearly targeting, but they did not have the stomach, the referees, to actually keep the game going based on that particular call. After they'd already hosed Michigan in that game? (laughs) Which I'll get to that in a second as well. But yes, uh, what did you make of the final decision to go, yeah... We don't want to open this can of worms. Technically, it's targeting. It's targeting as fuck. It's targeting 101 times out of 100 for those who watch college football during the year, but we're not going to extend the game based on this. Yeah, no question about that. And uh, they use the Zabruder film on that horrendous call in overturning the touchdown. Now, it's it's Michigan's fault for fumbling at the one-foot line. Sure. But still... That was an egregious call, and it was it was it was such an overuse of replay. I know you're going to go railing on replay. I I think you still should have replay, but you got to use it properly. And that was a, an egregiously bad use of replay. There, terrible, terrible, you know, terrible, terrible. I'm going to give you another chance to come home, Andy. Free of charge, no repercussions, no scolding, no, no. lecturing from me. Please come home to say replay not only isn't worth all the interruptions and everything else, but it gets things wrong as much as it gets things right. Because here replay got a call wrong in a way that affected the outcome of the game. 
Come home. It did, but that was not the fault of the actual replay itself. It was the fault of the administrators of replay. Well, when they have artificial intelligence replay, when AI replay that cuts out humans is a thing, call me, and then I'll reconsider my stance. People and the and considerations about do we want to really extend the game here, like on the final play, are going to require humans who always make biased decisions. Did you hear how many hands were in the stew of replay uh, by the announcers? Like, well, there's a team here and there's another team remotely and they all collaborate. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course you're going to get shitty calls. You got a committee running replay on these games for God's sakes. But, but you would think if there was a conspiracy, the conspirators would want to get TCU out of the mix. Well, yeah, but they, okay, but there is no conspiracies. It's just committee bullshit. It's just deciding, well, it'd be kind of wrong to extend the game. They would have had 24 seconds. The ball would have been at the uh, 40, at the minus 40. They would have had sort of a, at least a half a shot, a half a shot. And they, and they could have because they in the Georgia game or the second game getting underway, they potskied around for quite a while before they kicked that thing off. So they could have easily done that. Yeah. Uh, did, you, uh, did you, like me, appreciate the fact that Sean McDonough is a really good play-by-play man who's been kind of lost in the sauce after his failure on Monday Night Football? Yeah, I, I've, always, I've always liked his work. Yes, I have. Okay. Um, and, and he... Uh, now, I don't know this for a fact, but I've heard he's difficult, difficult to, to work with. <laughs> okay. And that may have contributed to because, yeah, his talent does not match up with the uh, number of assignments that he's had. You know, and he, he CBS briefly had baseball. You remember this? This actually was what led to the ouster of uh, Brent Musburger at CBS because he wanted to do it. Oh, really? He, he can't do everything. And he left. And then Sean McDonough did it. And then they only had it for like two or three years, and then it, you know, it went away. That is so weird. Baseball on CBS, yeah. Well, yeah. I've been told I am difficult to work with at times, but that's because I have high standards. Maybe like Sean McDonough. That said, let's uh, talk about the uh, the second game. It apparently, depending on the lag between your cable system, or your streaming service, or your television, it in some parts the missed field goal at the end by Ohio State, coincided exactly or within a second of the stroke of midnight. Were you aware of this? Yeah, yeah. well, it was a very good call by Chris Fowler, I thought. Uh, yeah, I know, but I mean, how close was it to you to hitting at midnight? Because for me, the field goal was missed about 15 seconds after the ball yeah. dropped. You know, I wasn't tracking it that much, and, okay. and having having been through a bunch of the ball drops and watched Dick Clark forever, who's been long gone, <laughs> I'm not really interested in Seacrest. I once went to Times Square on uh, New Year's Eve. Really? I would never, ever, 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 ever go again. So uh, I, I wasn't as, as as enamored with with the idea of watching the ball drop as some. When did you go, by the way? I went in 1984 going into 1985, so New Year's Eve 1984. It was raining. It was cold. and <laughs> With Arlene? And, yeah, with uh, my, my then-girlfriend, uh, Arlene. And then uh, we, we, uh, we, there were some, some uh, people there who were pushing and shoving, attempting to pickpocket 
oh. uh, which which was a hell of a lot safer than apparently the guy who showed up with a machete last night. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I would never go to that again. But I did it. It's, did- a, it's a bucket list I can cross off. <laughs> I hear that some people wear diapers because there's nowhere to go to the bathroom. You're you're locked in, and so if you want to drink and be merry, good luck. You better have a bladder of steel. Yeah, I, I I don't remember that. I, I do remember we went to the Howard Johnsons, uh, which still existed in Times Square after that. But uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> to the Hojos in Times Square. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Georgia escapes. Ohio State held leads of twenty-one-seven and thirty-eight twenty-four. So two fourteen-point leads. The last fourteen-point lead coming at the end of the third quarter. What might have saved. Kirby Smart's bacon. What probably did was the timeout right yeah. before a fake punt by Ohio State that would have been successful. Yeah, well done. Uh, that that you know that's good coaching. That's you know studying what they do, and uh, you, you got to give them credit. They're they're a great program. I mean, you know, the, and they pulled out a game that maybe they shouldn't have won, but they just show you that they got a leg up on a lot of people because of the way they run their business. Did you see after the game, uh, apparently Kirby Smart said, people doubted us all year. No, they didn't. <laughs> you were number one all year. Yeah, You were yeah. number one that. all year. <laughs> I love that, and, and they can never take this away from us. Who wants to take <laughs> it away from you? <laughs> they, they doubted us all year. Uh, Coach, you were number one from wire to wire, and you were <laughs> heavy favorites in this game. But what are you talking yeah. about exactly? That's Coach Speak for you. I think Ryan Day, if he's going to regret anything from this game, he's going to regret a meek run on first down in the final three plays when they were at about 32 uh, because they thought, okay, all right, I, I think we're in field goal range to win it. Let's not do anything crazy. They then realized, well, we better throw for more yardage, and they tried to throw on second and third down. Uh, They were unsuccessful both times. They needed to be more aggressive there because it's college, Andy. You don't have Justin Tucker back there to just casually bang through 50-yarders like they're nothing. I agree. I agree. I mean, college kicker, and I don't play golf, but all the analogies I've seen online and on Twitter say he hooked it because he gripped the club too tight. Oh, yeah. He's a college kid. That's what they do. Gripped it tight, swung too fast. Uh, The moment was too big. Poor Noah Ruggles. Uh, Noah Ruggles. The the kid who, had he made it, would have been legend, would have never bought another meal or drink in Columbus, Ohio the rest of his life. Instead, he gets LeBron James and his 40 million followers to see him go, what the fuck was that? Fuck you, yeah. LeBron. Come on, man. The guy's a kid, all right? What are you going to do? Um, Ohio State had a ton of injuries. Uh, Cade Stover, their stud tight end, left with a back injury. Had to go to the hospital. He's going to be okay. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. left the game midway through. He's an absolute beast. And they didn't even play with another first-round wide receiver in Jackson Smith in Jigba. They are a loaded unit if they could have just been fully healthy last night. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's sports, isn't it? That's football. You, mm-hmm. uh, it's a game of attrition. And, you know, a lot of these SEC schools, uh, you see their top guys go out. The next guy that steps in, he's almost as good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> They're but- loaded. Uh, last thought on college versus the NFL. So in the NFL, it's like you must have a stud quarterback who's damn near a unicorn. College, ah, get any old plucky guy. We got Max Duggan against uh, one of the all-time overachieving stories 
in college football for Georgia. How about that? The difference in college versus the NFL. In college, you can have these try-hard overachievers take your team all the way. Oh, yeah. Well, look, one of the greatest college quarterbacks in history was Tim Tebow, right? Yeah. Okay, how did he do in the pros? Not so good. Right. But, yeah. like, when you look at, you know, these, these two quarterbacks, you say to yourself, okay, they're nice. Are they really Sunday quarterbacks, though? No. That doesn't matter. Georgia's though, guy it? for sure is not. And I don't know what they're saying about Duggan. I mean, both these guys run a lot as well, mm-hmm. which is the college game. But eh, yeah. it's just different. So uh, they'll tee it up on Monday the 9th, uh, sometime around 8.15. The game will take forever. It'll end at midnight. It'll be another late night for us Alta Cockers. But I'm here for it. Uh, and Georgia is a 13-point favorite. Ooh, that high. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so nobody believes in them. But the odds makers kind of have a strong feeling that they're going to beat TCU. I can, 13, yeah. yeah, I can't. I, I wouldn't count this kid out, Max Duggan. I, I, I love him. I've watched him the last uh, last two games he's played, full games. Wow, yeah. he's, he's something else. All right, so uh, I cannot wait for the 12-team playoff. I know you have poo-pooed it. Can, well, you, can I, you at I, least I, say, well, shit, if we get more of these in two years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've softened a little bit since last night because <laughs> I've watched too many of these semifinals, you know, just turn into blowouts. Remember Jalen Hurts' game at, at Oklahoma? Remember what a blowout that was when they, right. they, they were playing Alabama in that game? Right. I mean, you know, those, those kind of things. So, But, yeah, if we get more of these, sure. But what are the chances that, that we're going to get six playoff games like that or however many they play with, with the yeah. new format? All right, uh, real quick before I let you go, and uh, by the way, for listeners, uh, my recap of Sunday NFL and my trip to Lambeau Field for Packers-Vikings will be coming up in just a second, but um, Barbara Walters passes away just before the end of 2022 at 93, I want to say she was. Yeah, 93. Uh, Legendary television journalist, Big J journalist, and a woman who also uh, launched the talk show The View – and then became to regret it because of what it became once she left the view as just an unhinged Yenta fest. But Barbara, <laughs> Barbara fucking Walters was a icon. Agreed? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She, she was, she was a giant. I mean, she was, she was a trailblazer. She was the first, right. Um, they, they put her, she, Don Hewitt, who I think is one of the, you know, 10 most important people in the history of television, a longtime producer of 60 minutes said to her, Hey, you're not very good looking and you got a lisp. Forget about it. You know, you're behind the scenes. Right. And she didn't listen. And and she she just kept plowing ahead, worked harder than everybody else. Now, I mean, she became known as the celebrity interviewer. There's I think there was an expectation when somebody did an interview with her that they would be more open and so forth. It's not like she was an unknown who just had great interviewing skills. She got this reputation as being the interviewer, but she worked hard to get the people. I mean, she got Monica Lewinsky, you know, when nobody else could get her, things like that. She was a, she was a dogged worker. Right. And, and, and that's what she, I guess, is her legacy. I think the thing I respect the most is that once she got somebody, she got to the meat of the hard questions. She mm-hmm. had, she had a, uh, an iron hammer underneath a velvet glove 
that she could then woo him in and then hit him with some pretty good stuff. The most famous, of course, being the 1988 Mike Tyson, Robin <laughs> Givens interview, Andy. Oh, yes. I remember that well. Yep. Yeah, she was, uh, she, he, he was, he was sitting there like, like a, a, a seething tiger. And, and she's, she's talking to Barbara Walters about how he'd go into rages and, and, and throw things and hit her and everything. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at that in the context of 2022 in 1988. Yeah. Wow. There you go. People write about you, say about you. You know, this is the beautiful, glamorous actress with her beautiful, glamorous mother who are out to ruin this basically, I don't know what, tough guy? Naive, yes. yes. Why do they say it? I think people wonder why we're together. You are a college graduate, Mm -hmm. right? Well-educated, actress. This is a, a man who was a high school dropout who went to reform school? I'm sitting right here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but but she, she she you know she had that kind. Of, she was at that point she was in her fifties, you know, six close to sixty. Yeah. So she she's talking to like a mother talking to a daughter. Like <laughs> you're beautiful. What the hell are you doing with this guy right here? <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Uh, Andy, you have a good feeling today about your commanders as we say goodbye today. How you how you feeling against the Browns? This is a huge game, not just for the commanders. It's big for the, uh, for the Packer fans because I believe that the Cowboys are likely to come in and play the JV and lay down in Week 18. Well, it depends commanders. on what happens with, with the Eagles and the Saints. If, if the Saints win, then it's game on for the Cowboys. But uh, if the Eagles win, That's yeah, true. right. That's yeah. true. If the Saints were to lose, then the Cowboys could catch them, right? No, no, no. If the Eagles lose to yeah, the, the Eagles, Saints. If the Eagles lose to the Saints, the Cowboys could catch the Eagles in Week 18 because right. they play each other. Is that in Philly or in Dallas? It's in Philly, uh, I believe. Well, no. The week 18 is Washington playing Dallas. Oh, right, 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 but, right, right, right. But Dallas but, but, could but, catch but, Philly if Philly loses again in Week 18. Right. Philly plays right. who in Week 18? Do you know? I'm not sure, but, okay. but Philly Philly has two losses and right. Dallas has three. So if Philly you know goes into the last week of the season with only two losses, they've already clinched the division. Fair to say this is Carson Wentz's last big start if he loses that if he loses this game, the die has been cast on who he is. I think so, unless there's some type of Ryan Tannehill resurgence, but I just don't see it with him. All right, very good, Andy. God bless you, man. Happy New Year. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, bud. All right, Dave, take care. There you go. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now let's talk some NFL. Just back from Lambeau Field. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen to my voice. <laughs> I swear I did not yell very much at all. I clapped. Okay, maybe I did yell just a bit. The Packers annihilate the Minnesota Vikings, and now the improbable has come to pass. From a low of, I think, 9% puff, win and get in on Sunday for the Packers at home against the Lions. We think it's Sunday. It theoretically could be Saturday. I waited and waited to put this final 10-minute pop on the podcast today because I'm like, hey, NFL, you might want to put out the schedule. The thinking is... Lions-Packers would be great on Sunday night because the networks love Green Bay and Rodgers and everything else. But the NFL has a new policy the last five, six, seven, eight years, however long it's been, in which games that have impact on each other should be played at the same time in week 18 or week 17 or whatever week it is you choose when it comes to the final week of the season. It used to be week 16. Oh, back in the day. So the Seahawks can win and knock the Lions out in a single uh, elimination, not double. So in other words, if Seattle wins, Detroit has no chance, whether they beat the Packers or not. And that would render the Packer game against the Lions a bit of a dud because the Lions would only have to, they'd only be playing for pride, which they should anyway. But the deflating nature of sitting there in the locker room, if you're the Lions, watching a game that plays before you in the 4 o'clock window and then seeing it go against you and then being told, okay, go on out there and sell out and smash your body to pieces just for pride. They're probably not going to play very well. The game's not going to have as much sizzle. So I think without the schedule being out, and I waited and I waited, it's 921 Central Time. Uh, it's still not out. Uh, uh, my guess is it's going to be in the 3.30 Central or 4.30 Eastern window, the Packers and the Lions opposite the Seahawks and the Rams. It will be juicy in week number 18 because there's a lot of seed movement that could happen. But let's quickly talk about the Packers dismantling Kirk and the Lucky Vikings, who I think are now minus 33 in point differential after the 41 to 17 demolition that was not even as close as the final score says the real score was 41 to 3 it was 41 to 3 in the fourth quarter and the only scoring drive for the for the uh, vikings was a negative 1 yard drive from the plus 1 yard line at the doorstep of the end zone after a block punt early in the game they went three plays minus 1 yard a missed Wide open Justin Jefferson in the end zone. And then two runs for negative one yard. And then uh, Kevin O'Connell decided field goal. Like, 
That is the biggest pussy move ever. I, I'm like, you think this is a field goal game against the Packers with your defense? A field goal game. Okay, buddy. So they uh, they were 41-3 in the fourth. They scored a couple garbage touchdowns. Yes, Josh and I ailed it. And it was after three quarters we said, this game is in the books. Josh is like, I don't know, but they're, they're right on the doorstep. They're going to have Corey Dillon probably smash it in. Let's stay for that. I go, no, we don't need to. We'll hear it. We'll hear the fireworks go off as we're striding to our car. We're good to go. Justin Jefferson was held to one catch for 15 yards. Wow. Uh, Jair Alexander said it was a fluke week one and that it would be different this time around. Joe Barry did not let Jair shadow Justin in week one. They did in this game, and the results speak for themselves. Early in the game, (laughs) Jair broke up a pass intended for Jefferson and then broke out doing the gritty, the dance that uh, Justin Jefferson likes to do in the end zone. He didn't invent the gritty. I I don't know where the gritty comes from as a dance, but it's different than the Dougie. I know that. The Dougie was big for a while there in sports, but the gritty is something else, and it came from somebody else. And so Jair busts out in the gritty, and Justin Jefferson acted like he was a five-year-old whose brother had just stolen his lollipop. It was so laughable. And what Jefferson said after the game was, he said he thought that they should have hit him for a taunting penalty, but then said, but it is what it is. He does stuff like that to try to get in my head. (laughs) Well, mission accomplished. (laughs) Also, Jefferson on his career low one catch in the game. He said, quote, I finally came to the realization that I made my mark in this league and every single game, they're not going to let me get 100 yards. They're going to do whatever is in their power to not let me get that type of numbers. Okay. I mean, if that's what you're thinking about, that's fine. The The Vikings did not have a whole lot to play for in this. And they may end up doing okay because of what is likely to happen. They are likely to fall from the two-seed Minnesota. And assuming the Packers can finish this off against the Lions, which they may not. I think they're only three-point favorites early on, three, three and a half, something like that. Uh, then guess what? The Vikings move from two to three, and instead of catching the Packers again at their place in the first playoff game, which I don't know about you, if you're the Vikings, are you saying, oh, yeah, we want another piece of these guys? I wouldn't. Not, not a rival team from in your own division that has what I call institutional knowledge of what you do and how you do it and how to play against you. No, I'd rather skip that especially a team that handled you so badly. I would skip that, and I would take the Giants instead, which would be their likely opponent then, uh, because the Giants cannot move from the sixth spot. There can be movement with the other seeds, and I'm not going to go through it here because I'm tired. My voice is cracking, and I'll probably get something wrong, and then you're going to email me and say, you got this wrong, you forgot the this and that. (laughs) So what a game, though. And yeah, I know. I know. I buried the team as they fell to 4-8, and eight, losing to the Lions. 
Yes, I said I wanted Joe Barry fired after he, his defense gave up a trillion yards rushing to Philadelphia. Yes, I said that even though I was there at the Aaron Rodgers party until the cops came and broke it up and threatened to take us to jail as high school teenagers, I wasn't going to leave the party. But I admitted, okay, the cops are here. They've knocked on the front door. They're not leaving. And now they're saying they're bringing reinforcements to arrest anyone who doesn't leave. I admitted it had gotten to that point. But now, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. The cops have cops are left the front doorstep. What's, what's going on? Lots to come about the future of Rodgers uh, with the Packers because I think there's no way now he does not come back and play another year. No way that anything but him playing one more year is in the books, which would make for an interesting Jordan Love scenario because word is Love may demand a trade if Rodgers is fully coming back. Anyway, I digress. So yeah, things change in the NFL and that's why the product is so unbeatable. That's why it's so glorious. And this has been a hell of a season. I've been enjoying the hell out of this run by this team. Uh, It's been more fun in a certain way, despite all the shitty football and dumb stuff that got them into the hole early, than a 13-3, and la-la-la-la-la kind of season, which they've had the last couple of years. So the Lions obviously are feeling it. Absent the Packers angle, I would be all in on the Lions making the playoffs the year that they were on hard knocks with Dan Campbell and his, now look here, man, we just got to go out there and do what we do and let the chips fall and bite some kneecaps. And I'd be all in on that story. I love Jamal Williams, who was a former Packer. He's had a monster year scoring touchdowns. I'm all in on Aiden Hutchinson's impossibly good-looking family and Mama Hutch and his sisters. Thank you, Hard Knocks, for all that. But it, 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 I'm sorry. It can't be at the Packers' expense. So you're dead to us. And they're going to present a formidable test. They're a better team, the Lions, all around than the Vikings. The Vikings are a cardboard pinata of a team. They are a fake storefront that is on a Hollywood set put up by plywood and two-by-fours. If you lean on them, you'll knock them over. Yes, Kirk's had a very good year. We talked about it with Charge on Friday. Jefferson is a phenomenal receiver. But they are a cardboard pinata, and they're ripe to get bounced in the first round. Then there's Keyshawn Nixon. What a stud. I don't know what it is he's doing on these returns, but I did look closely at the outstanding Skycam view of his 105-yard touchdown return. I'm not a special teams coach, and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, but it sure did look like rookie Viking wide receiver Jalen Naylor. Number 83 took a wildly inappropriate departure from his lane on the coverage team. They always say lane integrity. When it comes to kick return coverage, which again, I don't even know what that means, but I got a 
pretty good idea, which means stay in yo lane. And as soon as Nixon started to bring the ball out of the end zone, and before he was even out into positive territory, Jalen Naylor took a wild swerve off to the right, almost like his controller had been disconnected from his Xbox. And it left a gaping hole. It's like the seas parted. And all of a sudden, Keyshawn Nixon, bad hamstring and all from last week's game in Miami. He parted that sea and he ran through it like Moses to the promised land. Beautiful. So, there was the game. Left of the third quarter. Voices shot. Oh, yeah. Crosby doinked home a 56-yarder. <laughs> this is the longest home field goal. This is the longest Packer field goal in Lambeau Field history, which is pretty remarkable. And he did it on a day in which they brought up from the practice squad their rookie. I think he's a rookie, but they brought up their practice squad kicker, Ruiz Ahmed, because he was going to handle long kickoffs. Ahmed was going to handle kickoff duty because they've got a really good returner for Minnesota, who some would say he's the best returner in the league. And Kashawn Nixon's like, oh, yeah? How about me? (laughs) And guess what? Ruiz Ahmed hurt himself in warm-ups. So Crosby has to do kickoff duty, which he did just fine. And then with four seconds left in the first half, he goes out there to attempt a 56-yarder, in which Rodgers wanted to throw a Hail Mary. And he was already out there. He's like, nah, I got this. Hits this low line drive that goes doink on top of the crossbar and in. Pretty good stuff. Now to the commanders. Oh my God. Carson Wentz buried himself as a QB1 forever. He will now be passed around from team to team as that backup. That you're like, well, you know, uh, he's, he's not bad. A guy, former starter in this league. And, uh, you know, if you don't have to play him a whole lot, he can get you through a pinch or two. Ron Rivera is getting killed for tabbing him to be the starter in what is a what was a crucial game to make the postseason. And he was terrible. Three picks, no touchdowns, and as bad as it comes. On a day in which the Commanders unveiled their new mascot, Tuddy. Commander Tuddy, a hog with a helmet on it and a giant beer pouch. Beer paunch, I should say. After the game, here's what's remarkable. Uh, My friend and fellow professional, Grant Paulson, on WJFK, was in the post-game presser at FedEx Field and dared to ask the question, would you see Sam, you know, could we see Sam Howell at quarterback, the rookie they drafted out of North Carolina? Could we see him next week if you guys have been eliminated by the end of the day today, meaning Sunday? To which Rivera said quizzically, we, we can be eliminated today? And then had to kind of go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He had to clarify his answer to that question in which, of course, Rivera lied about being annoyed at the, 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 the tone of the question or the angle of the question, which was bullshit, uh, because it was perfectly legitimate question from Grant. And 
then said he was so focused on winning, he didn't think about everything else. Now, I don't think it affected how they tried to play the game. I don't think a coach would go, well, you know, we may lose today, but that's all right. We'll get him next week with a little bit of help. He just was so focused in. But it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty embarrassing when your head coach either apparently doesn't know the reality of what could have happened if they lost or was just being petty and trying to dunk on with snark a reporter by going, oh, yeah, we can get – oh, we oh I didn't know that. Oh, we could get eliminated today. Oh, thanks for letting me know that. That tone, you know. I feel like it was more tone. I actually texted Grant uh, just about a half an hour ago saying, what did you make of it? He said, no, I think he legitimately didn't know because earlier in the presser he had talked about, well, next week we got to win and hope to get some help, which implied that no, he had no fucking idea. It's tough because... Like I said to Andy last week, the team is drafting really well. They've got a a lot of good young players. They still do not have a quarterback. No, Heineke is not the answer beyond this year at most. He was probably the right answer for Sunday. Well, in fact, he had to be the right answer because there was – Wentz stinks. Stinks. And they're waiting for Snyder to sell the team. And it'd be great to fire Rivera if you're still a Commanders fan. But you got to kind of wait till the ownership takes over. And by the time they do, that's probably March at the earliest. Guess what? Well, you're already through free agency and cap decisions and the draft. It's a tough deal there. I don't care for Rivera. I, I think he is one of the most condescending, thinks he's way better than he is coaches I have ever seen in this league. He's accomplished very little in the big scheme of things. And he acts like, He's the greatest guy out there. But, man, this was a disaster. The Eagles stumble against the Saints. The Cowboys now have their eyes set on the NFC East. They will need help, though, because the Eagles play the Giants. The Giants have nothing to play for. They'll likely lay down. However, if you were a listener last week to the podcast I released on my vacation week for Christmas, Harry Mays, my man in Philly, said, look, watch out. Lane Johnson is out now. At left tackle, and the Eagles' record over the last three years without Lane Johnson is shit. And they got handled Sunday by a Saints pass rush um, that had them in check. So that got interesting there. The Packers could have to go play the Niners if they win this game against the Lions. I'm not going to pre-complain about that or pre-agonize about that, even though it's a terrible matchup. Fuck. And it's a game you really it's, you have a hard time going to. You know, a Packer game in Minnesota would have been an easy go-to for Packer fans. So that's a bit of a tough break, but they got to win this game against the Lions. Don't shit the bed against the Lions. Bottom line. Tom Brady once again wins, comes through, down two touchdowns late. I was in the parking lot having a drink, having a cocktail, socializing, losing my voice, and I see it. I'm like, I keep nudging Josh, who hates <laughs> – Brady with a passion of 10,000 burning suns. I go, hey, Brady's ahead now. How do you figure that? He was, I think it was down 10 late. Down 10, down 14, something like that. Unbelievable. But then again, very believable. Your stat of the day is simply this. Tom Brady in his entire NFL career has never, never started a game in which his team has been out of playoff contention. Oh. <laughs> 
Think about that for a second. As far as the AFC goes, I have not even given two thoughts to that other than I know Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati are the only three teams worth a shit. They're all actually very good. They're the best three teams probably in the league, all with absolute unicorn stud quarterbacks. I think Kansas City is kind of the best of the bunch, but they all have a bit of question marks around them. And then the rest of the AFC is complete direct. That's just going to be there as elimination fodder as the playoffs go on. And the NFC doesn't really have anybody that's any good, although I do kind of fear the Niners, even with a third string Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback in Brock Purdy, who's got moxie, man. Damn, he's got moxie to him. Is he just another um, Taylor Heineke? Probably not. I think he's got better physicals than Heineke, but still. The Eagles seem lost without Jalen Hurts, and maybe the loss of Lane Johnson is going to prove to be fatal. The Cowboys are going to cowboy. You know that. And then you could have the rest of the FC, although the, the Packers could be dangerous. They got to win, though, Sunday. That's the thing. Keep saying it, Zabe. They got to win Sunday. They got to beat the Lions. Otherwise, this entire feel-good thing falls apart. All right. I got to go rest my voice. Tune in tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., 97 through the game in Milwaukee and statewide on the uh, network of affiliates throughout Wisconsin and also on the iHeart app if you want to take a listen. Have a great day off, you people. Who are you calling you people? You know, you people with the federal holiday. I'm working. It's radio. There's NFL games played. College football. We will be there to put more yak out for your enjoyment. Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday, and we will see you next time. <laughs>